You're listening to the sermon podcast from Meadowbrook Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming, with Pastor Keith Miller. All right, if you could stand to honor the reading of God's Word. We stand to to honor the reading of God's Word because we believe it to be God's Word. We believe the Bible, all 66 books, is the Word of God, that it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's authoritative for for our lives. And um, and when when we read these words, we we hear the very voice of of the living God. And so we're in Jude. This is the second to the last uh, uh, sermon in this series. We're going to be in verse 17 and we'll, I'll read through, all the way through verse 23. This is the word of the Lord. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers, following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life, and have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Uh, You may be seated. I have really enjoyed hanging out in Jude uh, with you. Uh, It's been a challenging 25 verses for my own life, and I suspect uh, the same for some of you in this room. Next week, after the second service, if you bring your lunch, we'll gather in uh, one of the rooms, I think it's room five, and uh, I'll bring my lunch, and you bring your questions and food, and I'll just answer questions, Um, and we'll just have a dialogue. Uh, Anything related to Jude? Anything that I've, you know, preached on, any, or it doesn't have to be anything I preached on, just come with your questions and we'll hang out um, and, and eat food together. Sound, sound good? So uh, that's, that's next week. There's a museum, one of the museums in, uh, sorry, I'm stepping on that. One of the museums in Germany that uh, is, it was, was built to remind folks of the horrors that happened in the concentration camps. On the way out, there is a sign. I've not been there. Maybe one day I'll be able to visit. There's a sign. It's actually a quote uh, by Winston Churchill that states, those who do not learn from history are condemned to repeat its mistakes. I was thinking about that quote. In light of Jude, if you've noticed, uh, Jude refers a lot back to the Old Testament, back to the history of the Hebrew people. And he does that for a reason, because those who do not learn from the history, from our history, are condemned to repeat its mistakes. And what he is doing here is he's just, he's warning us. He's warning not just these Christians that he wrote these 25 verses to, this little letter to. He, he's warning Christians of all ages that, um, that we must contend for the faith and that that and the way that we do that is that we stand on the teaching of the of the apostles and the, and the saints who handed down this faith to us. It's contained in these 66 books that we have in our Bibles, and that we stand on those and we focus our eyes on Jesus, who's Master and Lord. And uh, 
And, and so he just emphasizes that all throughout his, his little letter. I, I, as I was working on my sermon th- for this week, I was thinking about a time I was 12, my brother was 11 years old, we were on our way to the bus stop. I believe we missed the bus. I can't quite remember all the details, but what I do remember very clearly is that as we were walking up, this was uh, Parkland, Pennsylvania, it was just not too far from Philadelphia, and we were walking up and a person pulled up next to us and, and invited us to get into, uh, I can't even remember if it was a guy or if it was a woman, a uh, man or a woman, but invited us to get into the car. And I remember feeling uh, right away just this great unease and fear about what, what lurked in the car. And I remember my brother being somewhat tempted to get into the car. And I said, no, Dave, you, we can't get into the car. And, and we didn't. We didn't get into the car. And the, and the reason why I'm here today and the reason why he's still here today is because we didn't get into that car. Uh, I was thinking, well, what was it that enabled... Uh, both myself and my brother, as I, as I was warning him, what, what was it that enabled us to, to resist the temptation of getting in the car? Well, there was a history, a long-standing history of, you know, learning about stranger danger. Remember that? Like growing up in, in school and everything, just stranger danger. Don't, don't talk to strangers. Don't get around strangers. Here's why. If you, if you talk to strangers, you could wind up, you know, a victim. Uh, it's a tactic that's used you know, throughout, throughout different things. I remember uh, in high school, we had to attend driver's ed. How many of you had to attend driver's ed? Now, uh, how many for you was driver's ed just a series of videos of, or horrific car accidents? It was like nothing but death. It was like just death every time. Every, every time. And like, as a teenager, like, hey, this is kind of cool. If you're, if you're, like, I thought it was interesting. But, but it was the whole point of seeing death after death after death, all these videos and people wailing and crying is what? Wear your seatbelt. <laughs> that was, I, that's, how I, that's what I walked away with. I got to wear my seatbelt. You know what happened as a result of that? I wear my seatbelt, like, all the time. I, before driver's ed, and I don't think my dad ever had driver's ed, uh, because <laughs> he had a pickup truck. None of this is in my notes. I'm just, I'm, I'm sharing memories. Uh, he had a pickup truck, and uh, we would drive, you know, from uh, from Pennsylvania to to South Jersey. That's where my uncles and my grandparents lived. And you know how we would get there, because there wasn't enough room in the cab. Hey, some of you are nodding your heads like yes, and we survived. Um, we, he, we would have lawn chairs in the pickup truck, and we were sitting up driving down I-95. Like, that was, uh, yes. <laughs> that has nothing to do with strangers. Um, I would never do that. Why? Because I, uh, I, I learned from driver's ed that uh, it, it wouldn't end well if my dad crashed and... And so Jude is warning us all through his letter, hey, they're strangers, and they've snuck into the church, they, they've found their way into the church, and, and you need to be aware of them, and, and what, some of the things that mark them out uh, is, is that they, is their lifestyle, but also they deny Jesus as Master and Lord, and, and, and so all throughout the epistle, we, we've seen that, and now we find ourselves at, at verse 17, and here he he, he's going to 
just remind us of two types of people, really. Uh, there are the scoffers, those are the false teachers, but I don't think the scoffers are only false teachers, but he's, he's definitely singling out the false teachers here. And then there's the beloved, and there's the beloved. I want to spend most of our time just reflecting on the beloved, but, but we, we can't ignore the scoffers. Uh, who are they? The, he, these are the, the people who, who don't take seriously the resurrection of Jesus Christ. These are people who don't take seriously the, the promise that he is going to return to judge the living and the dead, and their lives reveal that. They, their lives show that, and not just their lives, but also what they say, their, their teaching. And so Jude just highlights some things about these people. He said that in the last time there will be scoffers. Well, what last time? The, the last time in the Bible, just so you know, uh, every time you read about the last time, it's referring to when the church was born and the, the ascension of Jesus and the church being birthed to Jesus' second coming. Guess what? We're living in the last time, right? I've said to you, some of you have asked, when do you think Jesus is coming? Here, here's what I know. His coming is sooner than it was when Paul wrote 1 Thessalonians, right? Like, it, it, it's coming, and uh, when we're, we're, told, we're told we don't know when, but his coming is soon. Well, in, last, in the last times, there will be scoffers, and they will follow, they will be following their ungodly passions. And he goes on to say, worldly people who cause what? divisions. Uh, one of the things I would encourage you to do is if you have a Bible to be open to Jude, I want you to see some things. There will be words on the screen, the scripture references on the screen. Use your digital device if you have a phone or uh, which probably all of you have a phone. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, we want you to have a Bible. There's a Bible under your chair. There's a Bible. If it's not on your, your chair, it's under the person next to you, their chair. But grab a Bible and make sure you're open to Jude, because I, I want you to see these things. In verse 17, Jude, Jude says, look, these scoffers are coming. The apostles, they warned you of these people. They said to you in verse 18, in the last time, these people will follow their ungodly passions. Verse 19, it is these who cause divisions, worldly people. And listen, this is so important to see this devoid of the spirit of what spirit the holy spirit these are not these are people who think they know jesus but they're not christian they don't, they, they've never truly been born again and the evidence that they've never been truly born again is because they cause division they're worldly people they they're they're arrogant they they, they teach these crazy things about jesus and with their lives they deny him as master and lord Therefore, they're devoid of the Spirit. Um, Jesus even warned us of some of these things, right? Like in Matthew chapter 7, the words will be on the screen. If we can just go, just skip to Matthew chapter 7, uh, verses 15 through 20. Let's, let's read this together, ready? Every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit, Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Who is the them that Jesus is referring to? Well, false teachers, but he's referring to anybody who, who uh, claims that they, that they know him, but there's nothing really evident in, in their lives. The false teachers, out of their mouths come diseased fruit. And Jude, 
is uh, pointing that out. They're devoid of the Spirit. Now, what I want to do is I want to focus the rest of our time on the beloved because, man, I, this is so encouraging. Like what Jude does here in verse 20 and following is so encouraging. And uh, as is true, every time we gather, I want your heart to soar. I want your heart to soar over the reality of, of the truth of God's Word and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, who are the beloved? That's, if you're a Christian in this room, raise your hand if you're, if you're a Christian. Good, you can do it. And I'll look around. Like, you are all beloved. <laughs> We're all beloved. Like, what does that mean? Well, Jude said at the very beginning, he wrote at the very beginning of his letter, those who are called are beloved in God the Father. That word beloved is the, it comes from the, word, the Greek word agape. It's an unconditional love. It's not a friendship love. It's much deeper than that. Friendship love is phileo. Uh, 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 unconditional love is agape. And, and we're told that if you're called by this great God, and if you raised your hand in this room because you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, not only are you beloved, but you're what? Called. You're called. And so Jude says, you, those who are called are beloved. You're beloved in God the Father. And not only that, but you're kept for Jesus Christ. Now, when I, when I started the sermon series, I, I pointed out the, that that word for in the Greek could be for or by. And I think it's both. that You're kept for and you're kept by Jesus Christ. In John chapter 10, Jesus said, all that belongs to me are in my hand. I'm never going to let them go. And all that are in my hand are in the Father's hand, and he's never going to let them go. I love, like those of you who have been here for some time, no, my favorite chapter in the Bible is Romans chapter 8. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so Jude is, is re reminding them at the end of, towards the end of his letter, like you're the beloved, you're called, you're, 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 you're experiencing and, and you have the love of God in an unconditional way. He, he sees you as a son. He sees you as a daughter. You once, before you were a Christian, you once were an enemy of God. You ran from him. You wanted nothing to do with him. But now you are a son. Now you are a daughter. Why, how do we know that? Because you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and it was the great love of the Father who sent his son to die in your place after Jesus lived the life you could never live, died this death that each and every one of us deserved, and on the third day rose from the grave. And so you're called. You're called by God. And you're unconditionally loved by the Father, and you're kept for and by Jesus. I was highlighting this yesterday in, in my memorial message uh, for Betty, who passed away. And I shared this with you. She passed away on last Sunday in the first service. Um, like, I think it was like 15 minutes after we started. And, and I was sharing with those who were here just uh, what it meant to be called, what it meant to be beloved, and what it meant to be kept for Jesus, because Betty was here for that first sermon in Jude when we started looking at these verses. And so, not only that, but because of these, this truth, it is mercy, peace, and love that is your experience from this God. The, the Christian, if you placed your faith and trust in Jesus being now that you are a son or a daughter of the God who spoke the galaxies into existence, all that you will ever know is him as father. 
And Jude says, in the, he writes in the second verse, that's why he says, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied upon you. How many of you have been to Niagara Falls? Oh, a number of you. I've been there. Remember, how many of you got on the Maid of the Mist? I've shared this illustration a few times, right? They give you a poncho for that, don't they? Or maybe they stopped. Maybe they gave up because it doesn't work. Does, right? It doesn't work. Like, here, here, take a rain jacket. It's not going to work. Uh, and then they take you as close to the falls as they possibly can. And, and so I remember for the first time, and it was really the only time that I saw Niagara Falls, I remember getting out of the car and you could hear the roar of the falls. You can hear them. Like, wow, that sounds really awesome. It sounds like thunder. Then as you get closer, you, can, you, can, you began to feel the mist from the falls. And then you get on the maid of the mist, and they give you a poncho, and uh, they get you really close to the falls. And by the time you get off of the maid of the mist, you got water squirting out of your shoes, right? Because you've gotten so close. Well, I've always thought, like that experience of, of, of the falls just roaring, I've always thought about just, just this, the grace of God. And in this case, his mercy and his peace and his love, it, it's... it's it's unending. It, it, there's no end to it, like Niagara Falls. I mean, you could put your cup and hold it underneath the falls if you could hold on to the cup, and it would overfill and overfill and overfill. It would never stop, right? Well, this is what Paul or, or Jude is saying here. Like we've, we as Christians are called, and not only are we called, we're beloved. Not only are we beloved, we're kept for and by Jesus. And because of that, uh, it is his mercy and peace and love that we will know, and we'll never know him as judge. We'll never know, know, know uh, the condemnation that the rest of the world will face because of what Jesus did. And so then you get to verse 20, and he just unpacks this. Yeah, I, I love what he does here. I mean, look, you've got to see this. He said, so in verse 20, but you, beloved, in, in contrast to the scoffers, you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Now, you've got to see this. There is an imperative here, and, and the imperative is the word keep. And if you know anything about imperatives, right, it's a command. And so the word keep is, is anchored to, or, or there are three participles that are anchored to the word keep here. And this is not an English class. I, I stink at English. I just, but I want you to, I want you to just see this. There are three particles, participles that are linked to keep. And the first is building yourselves up in the most holy faith. How do you keep yourself in the love of God? One, build, building yourself up in the most holy faith. Well, what is that? That is, Jesus is the cornerstone of your faith, and the, found, and, and the foundation that you stand on is the, teach, is, is, is the faith that's been handed down in the form of our Bible from the apostles and the saints. Uh, we stand on that, and Jesus is our cornerstone. I said in this sermon series, like, if you get Jesus wrong, you'll get God wrong in terms of your understanding of who he is. If you get Jesus right, you'll understand who God is. And and so Jesus is the cornerstone of our faith. And so building yourselves up in the most holy faith, that's, that's, that's the first participle. The second participle is praying in the Holy Spirit. Is he talking about speaking in tongues? No, no. What he's talking about is you know that you have no power in of yourself to, to, to resist the devil's schemes, to, to, to experience um, 
freedom and liberation over your own personal sins, you need the power of the Holy Spirit, who is the third person of the Trinity. You see where, where Jude is going here? So build yourself on the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, and then waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, waiting and longing. It's an idea of longing for his return. How many of you are longing for Jesus to come back? Right? I am. I, I, I'm so put off and tired of the whole politics and what's on the news, and man, I can't wait for Jesus to come back. The Bible tells us that when he does, the nations and the kings will wail on account of him. They'll wail. Why? Because their power will be stripped from them. Um, but it, it, I like the way the NIV translates these two verses. I think the, in the way the NIV does it, it helps you see how the word keep is linked to all those other uh, words, those three other words, building, praying, waiting. And, and the words are on the screen. says, but let's just read this together. Uh, but you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit... Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. I love the way they, they, what they did there in the NIV. Um, that's the point. That's the point. I just want to highlight those three things. One, build, build yourselves on the Word of God. This is the strategy that Jude gives us. This is the recipe. This is the, the secret sauce, if you will, of like, how, how do I resist the scoffers? How do, I, how do I resist the false teaching? Well, one is build yourselves upon the Word of God. Build yourselves upon the Word of God. Like you can even write that in your Bible if you write in your Bible. Build yourselves upon the Word of God. He said it in verse 3. You know, contend for the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. And he says it here. You know, build, build your life uh, uh, you know, on the word of God, on this holy faith. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 20, Paul says something similar. He says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the, what? cornerstone. He's the cornerstone of your faith. Don't throw Jesus away. That's the whole point of Jude. It's like, man, these people, the thing that you know about them is they deny Jesus as master and Lord. They deny his deity. They, desire, they de deny his person. They deny his nature. They bring him low. And that's what false teachers do. They take God and they bring, they bring God down to their level because they feel like this God needs to be some, uh, one that they understand. So they bring him low. And so, so we're told, build our lives upon the foundation of the apostles and the saints, and Jesus Christ is our cornerstone. I, this, Jesus said this, like he even told us this in Matthew chapter 7. I, I preached on the, ser the Sermon on the Mount. He said there are two builders, right? He said, everyone who then hears these words of mine, and what? And does them will be what? <laughs> be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And so when the storms of life came, when crazy stuff came, when false teaching came, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on what? The rock. But, the, but the, those who were the foolish builders, and I don't know a whole lot about building, but I do know that you should have a foundation that you build your house on, and you shouldn't build it on sand, right? He says, everyone then who hears these words of mine, and uh, let's go to the next verse. Um, yeah, and everyone who hears these words of mine 
and does not do them will be what? Like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and what? And great was the fall of it. I've said this, you know, in multiple times throughout other sermon series and I've said it here in this sermon series that your faith is like the ballast of a boat. Uh, think of a sailboat or, or maybe a yacht. saw a lot of yachts in Seattle when we visited, when we were on vacation there. Uh, the deeper your ballast goes, the more unlikely the ship will what? Be capsized. Your faith is that ballast. Your understanding of who God is is that ballast. The deeper it goes in terms of your... The, the more vast your understanding of who this God is as you grow in your understanding and knowledge of, of, uh, of this God and, and you stand on that faith, the deeper your ballast will go and the less likely your faith will be capsized or wrecked even when the craziest and most horrible things happen in your life. Well, Jesus was saying the same thing when he talked about these two builders. Jim Shaddix, who's a theologian and uh, I think he served as a pastor and maybe he still serves as a pastor, he said something that I thought was interesting, and I, I want to share it with you. He said, as we learn the Bible and understand its truths, we are strengthened, we grow, we mature, we are built up. Without the scriptures, there is no growth. Without the word, there is no maturity. Without the gospel, nothing of eternal good will last. Like the air we breathe, the water we drink, and the food we eat, it is vital that we daily ingest um, God's word and its truth. The second thing is that we pray in the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, Paul tells us like we, that we should pray all, at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. This is a culture of life. Well, why, why pray all, time, for, you know, all times? Well, because we realize, you know what? I don't have any power of myself. To, to stand on this foundation. I, I, I mean, the, the hymn is so true of my heart, and I think if you're honest, it's probably true of your heart. You know, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart. You know, feel it, bind it. It's so true. And so, so Jude says, tells us the second strategy is that we must pray in the Holy Spirit. That Jesus... <laughs> Jesus promised us a counselor, a helper, one who would empower us to, to live the Christian life well, and we're to depend upon him at all costs. In, in Ephesians, again, it says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. You're sealed by this Holy Spirit. We'll, we'll unpack Ephesians chapter 1 when, when we get to Ephesians. That will be a sermon series we probably will start in the fall sometime. But um, yeah, in Romans chapter 8, we read, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our what? Our weakness. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. You know, we, this is why Jesus gave us the counsel. And he said, he said of the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, and when you're brought before kings, don't worry about the words that you're going to say. Don't worry about it because the Holy Spirit who now dwells in you will give you the words to say. He'll empower you. 
And there's a lot I could say about the Holy Spirit. I'll save it for when we get to Ephesians. But yeah, just some, the Holy Spirit can be blasphemed against. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. The Holy, the Holy Spirit uh, teaches and guides. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. You don't have to be able to wrap your mind around you know, the concept of the Trinity, but it's taught, and Jude highlights it here in, in, in these verses. Like, you see God the Father, you see Jesus that we wait and long for, and, and the sustaining ability to, to persevere until the end is, is promised to us through the Holy Spirit. Which leads me to the, the, the third part of the strategy, and that is waiting for the Savior. Listen, when your eyes are set on Jesus, it's harder to sin against him. Isn't it? Right? Like, uh, when we're, when we're focusing our attention on who he is, I could promise you this. As you get to know him through the scriptures, as you walk with him, I, and I've been walking with the Lord since 1991. That's when I became a Christian. And it, it's, it's, uh, it, I've said this before. It, felt, it feels like a waltz, right? Two steps forward, one step back. One step forward, two steps back. It feels that way. But um, here's what I could tell you. Of the years that I've been following Jesus, he has never disappointed me. He has never forsaken me. And I can't wait to see him. I cannot wait to see him. And, and the, the more we long for him, the less desire we'll have to sin against him. That doesn't mean you're not going to sin. You know what it will, what it will mean? Is you'll become more um, agitated by your sin. How many of you are agitated by your own sin, right? Like, yeah, like, have you ever asked yourself, why did I just do that? Why did I just say that? Why, why can't I get, you know, get my life you know, to, to, to address this? Like, how, how come I keep falling into this same pattern of sin? What, what, because God is changing the affections of your heart, and the affections of your heart is changing because, because you're seeing Jesus more and more clearly. And you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you who's, who's molding and shaping you. We wait for the Savior. We wait for him. Um, I love this. I, I love this. Like, so Jude, who ironically is the half-brother of Jesus, he, he says we, we long and we wait for this Jesus. What is he referring to? He's referring to a whole, a whole bunch of uh, promises in the Old Testament and also the New Testament. But the one that I want to point out to you is Psalm 24, verses 7 through 8. Um, let, let's read this together. Ready? Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. You know what the psalmist is praying for and longing for? He's longing for the King of glory to come. And he, he, he identifies the king of glory as Yahweh. But who is this king of glory? It's Jesus. That's what, this is what Jude is referring to here. It's Jesus. This is, why, this is why in Titus chapter 2, verse 13, we read these words. I think I have it on the screen. I don't know if I do. Yes, I do. Um, we're waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our what? Let's say it together. Great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> I love this. Um, I was geeking out over these verses this week. You, beloved, building yourself up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. 
there's a, I'd invite you to read it sometime. Revelation chapter 20 describes the appearing of this king of glory, Jesus Christ, who will return. But again, I, 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 like, I like the way Jim Shaddix just summarized that, that chapter. He said, the Christian's heart and eyes are fixed heavenward, looking for a rider on a white horse whose name is faithful and true, whose eyes are like a fiery flame, and his head are many crowns. On his head are many crowns. We are looking for one whose robe is dipped in blood, and on his thigh he has the name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Until then, we grow in his word, pray by his spirit, and watch for his coming. I can't wait for him to come. I look forward to that day. Um, that's the recipe Jude gives us. That's how you keep yourself in the love of God. It's not, he's not saying, hey, you've got to work at it so that you don't lose your salvation. And what he's saying is, man, this is a relationship. This is a relationship. And, and, and the, the longer you walk with him and you pursue him, the deeper your relationship will go. Look, with any relationship, it takes two to make it work, right? Um, so God pursued us and, and rescued us. He empowers us through his Holy Spirit. He's provided us with his word to guide us and to, and to instruct us. And, and as we do that, we long and wait for this Jesus. And, and as we do those things, when the scoffer comes, we'll be able to resist the scoffer. Not only resist the scoffer, but, but, we'll, be able to, but we'll be able to call out you know, false teaching for what it is. Which um, leads me to this conclusion, which I'm... I'm so happy Jude put this here. Look at verse 22, and I'm, I'm drawing this to a close. He said, look, he says, and have mercy on those who doubt. Who's the doubter? The scoffer. Who's the scoffer? The false teacher. I don't think it's just limited to those people. But Jude says, have mercy on those who doubt. And, there's, and so we're introduced to another imperative in, the, in these verses. It's not a suggestion. It's not like, you should be nice to the doubter. But if you're not, it's okay. No, what he's saying is, you must. <laughs> Why? Why must we have mercy on the doubter or, or those who doubt? Because we have received the mercy of God. Like, think about it. Go back, like in your memory, of when you did not believe in Jesus or when you were not walking with him and the mercy that God had lavished upon you, how God pursued you, how he found you and rescued you. And Judas is reminding us of the same thing here. We've, we were there. We were the doubter. We were the lost one. We were the one who was, who was on a one-way ticket to hell, and we were rescued and we were redeemed. And not only were we rescued and redeemed and forgiven of our sins, but we were made children of the living God. We are called, we're beloved, and now we're kept for Jesus. So have mercy on those who doubt. That's, and he gives us three, three things here. Have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. And, and to others show mercy with fear. What is he saying there? And, well, one, we're to have mercy on those who doubt. I mean, recognizing we're prone to wander, <laughs> like that hymn I already quoted, prone to leave the God we love. And yet he puts up with Keith Miller. He knows all of my stuff. He knows stuff about me that you'll never know. He knows stuff about me that my, my family will never know, my wife will never know, my children will never know. He knows all the skeletons in my closet. And he calls me 
beloved. It's not just true for Keith Miller. It's true for every single person in this room who's placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. For every Christian in this room and watching the live stream. So we're to have mercy on those who doubt. Recognize, man, you're lost. (laughs) And if you're lost, you're going to behave like a lost person. You're spiritually dead because you're devoid of the Spirit, so you're going to behave like a spiritually dead person. So, so bring them the gospel. And that leads to the second point, uh, the second thing. We are to seek to rescue those caught up in false teaching from hell. But here's the reality. God has chosen to use you and myself and other uh, brothers and sisters in Christ to bring the gospel to the lost, including the false teacher. And we're, to, sneak, we're to, to, to seek to snatch them out of the flames of fire by bringing them the gospel. God always, listen, God always generates life through the proclamation of his word and the power of his Holy Spirit all the time. And so that's liberating for those of you who are thinking, I don't know how to share my faith. Yes, you do. You have a story. And you know some things about the Bible. And so God will use, you, use that and and so that, leads, that gets you off the hook in terms of you don't have to wax eloquent and try to manipulate somebody into the kingdom of God. You share the word of God with them and your story, and God will do the rest. And if they say, I don't want nothing to do with it, then they, you know, that's fine. You've planted a seed. You know how many people shared the gospel with me before I placed my faith and trust in Jesus Christ? A lot. A lot of people. And um, some of you could probably say the same thing. We are to rescue those who are caught up in false teaching from hell. What is false teaching? It's not just somebody who perverts the, the, the gospel. It's somebody who tells you there's another way to, to heaven outside of Jesus. Anything that doesn't line up with the gospel is false teaching. Which leads me to the third point. We are to exercise mercy with the utmost caution and fear. Listen, like... <laughs> There is a weakness in us. Every single one of us in this room, you can, be a, you can be a theological Bible scholar, you can be a Bible scholar, and that weakness also is in you. It's in me. And that we are drawn, there's something about us that's kind of drawn to the things that are not of God. And, um, and, the, and how do we guard ourselves against being drawn to those things? Well, I already said it. Jude already said it. You know, we stand on the foundation of God's word with Jesus as the cornerstone. We pray in the Holy Spirit. We rely on the Holy Spirit. And we wait and long for the coming of Jesus Christ. But, but when we go, especially with the false teachers, and there's a lot of them, we got YouTube now, right? So they don't have to sneak into the church. You just go into YouTube. They're there. And, and everywhere else. And so we are to exercise great caution. I've said this before, and I'm calling out YouTube just because I am. Um, but on TV, too. And even in some churches, you might you know, wind up visiting one day. It's very easy to, to sound very confident when you're not being challenged. Right? So there's, a, there's, a, there's the, the, the count of the number of... of experts on YouTube is um, you can't number them. And so we're to exercise great caution. Exercise great caution. Um, Know that your time is limited. 
so you don't have to try to win every single argument. And, but, but they need Jesus. They need Jesus. False teachers need Jesus too. It, it, the same thing that was available to us is available to them. Uh, I was thinking of Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, which says um, this. I don't know if I have. Do I have it on the screen? I can't remember. Maybe I don't. Um, come now. Come now. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. You know who that offer is available to? Everyone. Everyone. Including the false teacher. Um, I'm going to have the worship team come up and we're going to close in, in a song. But I just kind of leave you with, with this. Man, we, Jesus is, <laughs> he's the treasure. He's the cornerstone of our faith. We stand on the foundation of what has been passed down from the apostles and the saints. And, uh, and so Jude's appeal to us, his appeal to these Christians that he's writing to, is don't, don't trade Jesus in for nothing. Don't trade him in for nothing. He is master and Lord. He is the king of glory that's coming. He is, he is the one that we are waiting and longing for. And guys, I know this is hard to wrap our minds around as guys, but he's our groom he is the groom of the church. We are betrothed to the second person of the Trinity. This is why one day we'll judge angels. This is why angels stand on tiptoe and they marvel at the redemption that's been made available to you and to me. And if you're in this room and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, my, my appeal to you is don't leave here without doing so. That uh, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the grave, you will be saved. You'll be saved. That there's salvation found in no one else but the name of Jesus. That it's by grace that you're saved through faith. So that no one can boast. And that faith is, is rooted in this Jesus Christ. He lived the life you could never live. He died a death that you deserved. And on the third day, he validated all of, all of that by rising on the third day. And he's coming back to judge the living and the dead one day. Amen? You don't have to like wax elegant with God when you pray. Just tell him what's on your heart. And I would encourage you, if you do not know yet Jesus yet, that you would not leave here until you pray to God and say, I, I want Jesus in my life. God, I, I don't have all the answers, but I know I want that. Um, and if you want to pray that, or if you want to talk more about that, or have questions about that, see me after the service. Thank you for listening to the Meadowbrook Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit meadowbrook.org.